Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Matthew eleven sixteen through 24. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Recently, I went online to buy myself a new Bible. My old one got rid of it not too long ago, believing that I wouldn't need it anymore because I had the phone, you know, switching over to the digital age. But there's just something about holding a Bible that I miss. And so I went online to buy a new one. And immediately I thought about buying the one I had before. I had it for several years. It was this black imitation leather Bible because I don't got money like that. And it had on it uh, an engraved flame. And I love that because growing up, the word of God symbolized the power of God and the power of God to change me and the world around me. And so I immediately went to go buy that Bible. But in the process of looking for that Bible, I found another one, also imitation leather because I don't got money like that. But this one didn't have a flame. This one had an olive branch. And for a couple days, I just sat thinking about which one to buy. And I ended up buying the olive branch because I realized something that I missed all my, uh, all my adult Christian life. And it's that the most powerful thing about the word of God is the peace that it brings my soul. You see, in this passage, we realize that it's possible to witness the mighty works of God and miss the merciful ministry of God. I've said this before, and with each passage in Matthew's gospel, it becomes even more clear. The story of Jesus is not a story about power, but a story about kindness. Kindness towards sinners, kindness towards the broken, kindness towards the meek. Those who know who they are, what they have, and what they deserve. All of which can be summed up in one word. Nothing. They are nothing special. They have nothing to offer. They deserve nothing from anyone. These are not the children that Jesus compares his audience to in this passage. Children who demand that everyone play their game, obey their rules, and who throw tantrums when other children don't. But rather, these are the children who joyfully accept the terms and submit to other children because they're just happy to have someone to play with. You see, the mighty works of God are an extension of his grace, and grace is not dead. Jesus, unlike the people of his day, does not come demanding anything from anyone. Rather, he comes offering everything to everyone. Friendship to the lonely, compassion to the suffering, peace to the restless. To use his analogy, Jesus is like a child who sits in the marketplace and calls to his playmates and says, 
what song do you want me to play for you so that you can sing and dance? This is why he speaks so strongly to those cities where he did most of his mighty works. Because despite seeing the power of God, they fail to see the kindness of God, which the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans is what leads men to repentance. It's what turns us away from our sins and turns us to God. It was never about how great the works were, but always about how great God is. That despite our brokenness, our failures, our weakness, our poverty, God gives us all of him. I've come to see my relationship with God like this. That when I am most undeserving is when I am most loved. Now that's an awkward statement and it's confusing, but it's liberating. It frees me from the lie I often tell myself that I'm not worthy of love because of my failures. And free from that, I can accept God's grace for what it is, kindness, mercy, because I don't deserve it. We're not far from the people of Jesus' day. We too witness unexplainable blessings and miracles in our lives. And we too miss God's kindness toward us. We see it as if we've earned them. It's good karma. But if we're honest, our failures usually outweigh our successes. We don't deserve kindness. But ironically, kindness that's given to those who deserve it isn't really kindness at all. And it isn't until we acknowledge that we are undeserving of it that it truly becomes kindness in the realest sense. This passage this morning is an invitation for us to not be like those cities who because of pride, fear, and self-centeredness fail to come to terms with what we always wrestled with, our self-worth. It's a reminder or a call to turn away from those sins, turn away from ourselves, and turn to God and receive from him what our works could never truly give us. Peace, the peace that comes from knowing that when we are most undeserving, we are most loved. Let's pray. God, would you help us to understand that your kindness toward us isn't something that you owe us or something that we work for. It's something that you, out of love, share with us because we are undeserving. There's nothing we could do to merit it. Our pride tells us that we can earn it. Our fear tells us we could lose it. Our self-centeredness tells us that it's all about us. It's maintained by us, kept by us, earned by us. But that's not truly what we believe. If we're honest with ourselves, we know we are undeserving. And we're hoping that we will still be loved. And your gospel does give us that hope and gives us rest for our souls and peace of mind. Because your gospel is a reminder that when we are most undeserving, we are most loved by you. Help us to not be like these cities. Help us to turn away from those sins in ourselves. Help us to turn to you. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn,